Hey, this is Sam Lishchak with Absolute EHS, and I'm here today with Rosa. Hey, Rosa, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm well, thanks. So um, before we jump in, let's, uh, let's learn a bit about who you are. Of course. Can you share? Uh, yeah, totally. Uh, so my name is uh, Rosa Schneider. It's great to meet all of you guys. Uh, I am uh, a teacher at the Bard Sequence Program uh, at Orange High School in Orange, New Jersey. Um, I have a PhD in theater from Columbia. Um, I'm a lifelong New Yorker, and unfortunately, I'm a Mets fan. Uh, I mean, I'm a Mets fan, so that's, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm among friends here. You are among friends. That's good. So what was your day-to-day uh, let's say pre-December 2019. Uh, awesome. Yeah, no, well, pre-December 2019, um, I was actually at another job. I was working at uh, CUNY Start, um, which is a remedial and uh, college preparatory program um, at uh, all of the, the um, community colleges across New York. Um, I was at Hostos Community College, which is in the Bronx. Um, so we were right next to uh, Yankee Stadium. So boo hiss. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so I was, I was working there and I was in a training program, um, to be a teacher in their program, uh, which was really fun, which was really exciting. Um, in December, we actually in December, I was still in Brooklyn. Um, I had graduated the year before from my PhD program. And unfortunately, uh, the, I do not know how much you know about the academic job market, but it is, um, currently on fire, uh, especially in theater. Um, so I didn't get a job, um, but I got this job with CUNY Start, which was really fun. It wasn't really in my field, but I was kind of learning and it was really great. Um, and then in February, uh, I moved in with my partner um, to Washington Heights in um, upstate Manhattan, essentially. So you moved during a pandemic? Uh, well, we, we moved right before. Um, okay. We moved, uh, our move-in date was February 1st, so we got like, so technically it was during the pandemic, but we didn't know it yet. <laughs> um, we, we moved in, we got uh, a whole month to kind of like get settled and get started to like get things for the apartment, but you know, we were both going out to work. Um, my partner Rachel also worked at, also works at Hostos, so we were, it was very cute. We were going in together, it was, it was adorable. Um, and then, uh, then we really got to know the apartment, uh, starting March 11th. Okay. All right. So, uh, you mentioned not really knowing about the pandemic. Can you tell me how you found out about the pandemic? Absolutely. Um, I mean, I think we were starting to get, you know, trickles of information in, you know, late February, early March. Um, that was when we were getting, uh, that was when information about like, you know, there's something there's something happening. You have to start washing your hands more frequently. Um, I don't remember the exact dates, but it was definitely in early March that we were starting to get some more information about it. Um, but, you know, it, we didn't think it was that serious. You know, obviously we'll be more careful. Um, we started like on, when was uh, the She Believes Cup? Like March 8th? something like that. On March 8th, we went to a soccer game <laughs> um, at, Red, at uh, Red Bull Arena. Um, so like we were still going about, you know, our daily lives, maybe a little more carefully, but still, still going about it. Um, and earlier that later that week, my mom, who is, you know, a Jewish mother, um, which I'm sure you know, well, um, started to like, you know, text me. It's like, maybe you should start stocking up. 
Um, you know, you don't know what's happening. Uh, maybe you should go every time you go to the uh, grocery store, you should get a little something extra. Um, so that was around March 8th, March 10th. Okay. And then New York went into lockdown, I believe it was March 14th. Yes. We went into lockdown a little earlier um, or, well, I shouldn't say lockdown. It wasn't technically, it wasn't ever a lockdown, right? Which is sure. A problem. Yeah. Um, but we were, um, because I worked at CUNY, we were notified that we were going in that the campus was going to be closing uh, much earlier. I think that week, March, March 9th, um, there was a directive from like Cuomo that like if there was a case found, um, the campus would close and you know then close and clean and then reopen. Um, and then on March 11th, um, I remember this very distinctly, on Wednesdays we would have a half day and we would spend half of the day in tutoring so students could come and get help um, with uh, assignments that they might have been they might have needed help on or to make up assignments or whatever. And I was doing that. Um, it was the late afternoon and I like wandered into the staff, uh, the staff room and my boss was standing there, like looking at her phone and she like showed it to me and she said, you know, Cuomo just announced on Twitter that we're going, uh, that CUNY is closing, CUNY and SUNYs are closing. Um, so that's how I found out. So you found out through Twitter? I found out through Twitter. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, I 2020 mean, was full of Twitter tweets, so. No, right. <laughs> um, I mean, we had been, I'm sorry, this is kind of circular. I'm, I'm remembering things as we're going. Um, I mean, there had been the sense that week and the week before, like something, something was happening, right? Because I remember, I'll, I'll have to check the dates, but like the private colleges were closing um, and there was a lot of unrest about the fact that CUNY wasn't closing. And so right. the fact that, you know, CUNY closed, but CUNY clo closed with a directive on Twitter that took everyone by surprise was kind of ridiculous. Yeah, that is kind of ridiculous. Um, so one thing I really wanted to capture your perspective on is by essentially forcing teachers and students to go remote with yeah. maybe five days notice, um, that's an incredible amount of yeah not only anxiety and turmoil and figuring out logistics, but work to make a, a theater program entirely remote, for example. Can, can you kind of share for posterity, like what, was, what happened and what was going on, at least from your perspective? Absolutely. Um, yeah, so it, it, wasn't, it wasn't a theater program, just to be oh, sorry. clear. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah no, no, no worries. But um, it, was, it was still a college program, but it was still you know, a lot. Uh, it was, um, it was really hard. It was really, really hard. We did not know what we were going to do, particularly because a lot of the student population who attends Hostos, um, may not have the technology that's needed to be online. Um, so we really, we really scrambled a lot and the, the teachers who I was working with were doing a huge amount of work. Um, we tried for the first kind of month or so we, or two months or something like that, we did try to like keep it as much um, going along with what the program was as possible. Um, so we didn't have, uh, we, we tried to have, you know, class times. Um, so we, we still met synchronously. Um, you know, we didn't meet synchronously for the length of time that we were, usually doing it. Um, the program 
uh, was basically all day. So in the morning, one, one class would do reading and writing and in the afternoon, and then in the afternoon, go do math. Um, and there would be another class who had the opposite schedule. Um, so we, we weren't doing that. That was, that was too much. Um, so we kind of ended up doing, um, uh, essentially going asynchronous, um, and like posting work and then having the, um, the teachers be available for tutoring. So like tutoring all day during these times, um, you know, come in and I'll, we'll help you do the work, but the work is posted. Um, but that took, oh, sorry. I was going to say, we, we have listeners from all over the place. Can you just <laughs> briefly define synchronous versus asynchronous? Of course. So synchronous classes are classes that are live. Um, so like a teacher is teaching in front of you, um, whether that's in person or on Zoom. Uh, asynchronous is uh, not live. So essentially a teacher posts work to like, we used uh, Google Classroom. Um, you could also use Blackboard. Uh, post work to a, a site that students do and then turn in and then get graded on. Um, so with synchronous work, synchronous classes, you know, students are, students and teachers are there working together. And with asynchronous, they're working apart. Um, we really tried to be synchronous for as long as possible. Um, like uh, the way that CUNY kind of shut down was that on the 11th, they announced it. And then um, we had about a week or so um, to kind of get everything in place. And then we, we re reconvened. Um, and in that week, we really tried. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, Sam was just shaking her head. Um, and in that week, we really tried to like, we came into the building, we printed out all these materials. We like made all these packets. We spent hours and hours and hours doing this. Um, and we kept being hamstringed because the college would keep closing. Um, you know, because there would be another case, because there would be another case, you know, things like that. Um, you know, the South Bronx was one of the epicenters, um, early epicenters, so it, you know, made sense. Um, which, unfortunately, we ended up not really using the packets that we made, um, because the hours kept changing. Sure. Um, but, yeah, so we, we ended up, uh, you know, we had a curriculum, we had a schedule that we basically throughout and um, kind of carved it down. So whereas we would do like a unit on, um, what was it? Like a unit on psychology and then a unit on um, uh, trying to uh, do kind of like more autobiography. We kind of just went for one thing and just did one thing really well. Um, and then test prepped. Uh, so that's, that's kind of how it ended up going that we um, basically carved down what we were initially going to be doing and kind of just focused on like, okay, what are the things that the students need to know in order to um, pass the test at the end of the program in order to be prepared for college? Um, yeah. I just, I, I know you, <laughs> so um, how, how did it feel as an educator to take a curriculum and boil it down to basically what will allow them to pass the test? I mean, it, it really sucked. Um, it really sucked. It was really hard. Um, I mean, I was happy to do it because, you know, the students were going through a, a huge amount. You know, we have 
a lot of our students were, you know, frontline workers. A lot of our students um, were healthcare workers. A lot of our students are Uber drivers. Um, and, you know, they were, they were really going through hell. And I, we were just trying to like, make sure that this wasn't just another thing, you know, that this was something that they could do um, and not something that was like inaccessible. Um, you know, as an educator, it, it also didn't feel like, you know, it wasn't, it didn't really feel like teaching because like, I wanted to help students and it would be so much easier if like, you could just like get them on Zoom or get them on, uh, we were using Skype. Um, oh, <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, get them like face to face and just kind of like explain it. But it was, you know, they were also helping their own kids or they were, you know, out working. So it was, it was much harder. Um, and it was really, it was really difficult trying to get, um, you know, trying to provide that for them. Uh, but we were able to do it. And we actually, I think we actually had quite a huge passing rate, which was really wonderful. That's great. Um, yeah. The people, the people who stayed just like, you know, did great. Um, and I will say that uh, I left the program at the end of the year uh, because unfortunately due to budget cuts, there just wasn't enough, um, money to hire me full-time uh no fault of their own well cuny cuny was being strangled um essentially by the government um so they just didn't have the money to do that sure um and uh yeah so i i left at the end of the program but you know rachel my partner is, is still a part of it and was keeping me updated that they they've really like risen to the occasion and like changed the program so that like they're doing, uh, instead of trying to do both reading and math, reading, writing, and math, um, at the same time, they, the students spend like, is it six weeks? What is, what is the time they spend on it? On each subject. Yeah, about six weeks. Um, sorry, six weeks. They spend six weeks on like reading only and then switch to math so that they, they spend more time on each subject um, so that the, uh, the teachers are really taking advantage of, you know, the, the few things that the pandemic can offer. Sure. Okay. Um, so before, before we move on to, to the next position, um, I, you had mentioned accessibility issues and mm -hmm. students being frontline workers and healthcare workers. How, how did the school and or you help to accomplish the accessibility issues or overcome the accessibility issues? Um, well, the school uh, provided um, Chromebooks. Um, and like iPads and stuff like that, um, or that they offered the opportunity to do so. Um, so like you could, if you needed one, you could come in and sign up for one um, and you could go and get it. You would have to go and get it is the thing. Okay. Um, but uh, so students, students were able to do that. Um, and that's the same at my high school right now is that right. students are able to go and get um, technology from the school. But there is an assumption that they have internet access. There is an assumption that they have internet access, yes. Okay, have you run into anybody who does not have internet access that you um, know of? Yes, um, there are people who have had to uh, like get hotspots from uh, Orange High School. Um, oh, so the school will help with a the school. The school will help with that, yes, yeah. Okay. Um, and Verizon was offering, um, you know, lower cost during the pandemic um, internet access. But yeah, that's, that's also the thing, right? Is yeah. that like, we have we had people on their phones and like using data and like that's also very expensive it's really hard too especially the ones with kids you hear about um mm -hmm. 
you know, they're in one big living room with their whole families there trying to tune into this class. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you ran into that as well. Oh, totally. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, today we ran into that. Um, I was teaching, uh, I, I just, you know, finished a class like 45 minutes or so before, you know, coming to talk to you. And like several students had, you know, um, either said, oh, I can't, you know, unmike, unmute because my, uh, you know, little sister is here or my background is really loud or that they did. And like, we just had like a running like six-year-old commentary, <laughs> which, you know, is very cute, but um, difficult learning conditions. Yeah. Crazy. Okay. So let's move on to your position in, in New Jersey, you said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I was hired um, at the end of uh, September. Um, or I was hired, I should say I began at the end of September. I was hired early September. Um, it's a, it's a pretty new program. It was established last year. Um, it's essentially the BARD sequence program is, um, essentially bringing, uh, the uh, BARD high school, early college, where actually I went to high school, um, bringing the, uh, the, the two years, the program that you take, um, in your 11th and 12th grade, um, class, which is, essentially, uh, you know, intro to Western literature and thought and things like that, and taking that program and then bringing it to other high schools. Um, so we're doing, you know, Sappho, we're doing the, in the first year, we're doing Sappho, we watched Moonlight, we're doing the Odyssey. Uh, in the second year, we're doing Frankenstein, we're just about to watch Get Out, um, we're going to do the Communist Manifesto. Um, so it's a pretty awesome program. That um, sounds really cool. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's sort of, it's not sort of, it is my dream job. So I was really lucky that I got it. Um, So talk to me about, um, so is it fair to assume you're not going in to New Jersey? No, yes. Uh, They would very much like us to go. Um, Like when, as soon as I was hired, they were like, okay, you know, um, we're gonna start bringing people in, in October. And I was like, okay, you know, I would, rather, you know, I'm definitely game to come in, um, but I would rather, you know, come in, you know, when in phase three and they're like, sure, that's totally fine. Um, and, uh, cause I was also teaching at NYU in person at the time. Um, so I was like, I would rather not be traveling all over the place. Um, but, uh, then we were going to go in October, um, and that was pushed back to February. And then that was pushed back to, uh, April. So um, the plan is now um, mid-April to go back in uh, in person. Okay. And for anybody listening, we are recording in early March. Yes. So yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was it was it's actually kind of funny because it was like um, we had gotten an email from the principal uh, on a Sunday that was just like you know email me uh, and um, tell me if you want to come in to set up your space before kids start arriving. Um, and I was going back and forth with him because I have, I've only been to the campus once Um, (laughs) for, for those of your listeners who are not aware of the position between, uh, Washington Heights and Orange, New Jersey, Orange is about an hour and a half hour, 45 minutes away. Um, so it takes, it takes a little while. Um, it's pretty direct. It's just one train down to Penn station and then one out. Uh, one New Jersey transit train out. So it's not that hard to get to. Um, it just takes a little while. Uh, so I had only been there to sign like benefit paperwork. Um, so I didn't know the school. I didn't know whatever. Um, so I was 
arranging for the uh, with the principal to come in to like come see my classroom to like try it out and um, literally I had sent an email like confirming when I was going to come in and uh, we got an email from the superintendent saying uh, oops we're moving it back to April. Wow <laughs> is NYU still in person? Um, NYU is still in person I'm no longer teaching there uh, oh, okay. I, I was just teaching a course. Um, okay so, and, and you're, I think you're probably one of the few I've been talking to who relies on public transit, particularly in New York City. So can you, uh, it sounds like you've been maybe using it a bit during the pandemic. Has anything changed? Um, oh yeah, well, definitely. I mean, early in the pandemic, um, or early in the pandemic, I wasn't using the subway. Um, we went back uh, to using the subway in August when uh, we finally were like, okay, it's been six months, I want to go see my parents. Um, so we, we took the subway to Brooklyn. Um, but before then we were using the buses and the buses actually had changed quite a bit because um, the uh, MTA had decided that no one would be, up after the, um, the two largest public agencies that had been hit by COVID um, and had, had multiple deaths was uh, the DOE, the Department of Education and the MTA, the, um, the Trans Metropolitan Transit Authority. Yes. <laughs> there we go. Thank you very much. Um, so they, they wanted unsurprisingly to protect their bus operators so that they made, um, they made the uh, buses uh, rear loading. So everyone came in on the back. So they were free, um, but it also meant that it was pretty crowded. Um, and during the pandemic, we were taking the, uh, the bus quite a bit um, because one of our favorite restaurants um, in Inwood, after everything happened, turned into a speakeasy grocery, um, which was a lot of fun. And they also offered, which was really exciting, um, this is to not if you have any Inwood listeners, um, which are it's great. Shout out to Tanat. Um, they offered uh, private times to come in so you had a 15 minute block where it was just like you and the uh you know the um store earners um which was really really helpful um because in kind of the worst of the pandemic march april may june all of that all of those months um the grocery store lines were really long it was really crowded so going in to a place where you could just like be by yourself was really nice um and we would That's take, really cool. Yeah, no, it was it was great, and they're still they're still doing it, um, which is really fantastic. Um, but they uh, they're just far enough away from us. It's about like a thirty minute walk straight uphill. Um, so we we would take the bus back and forth, um, and that's you know, and it would be really crowded because the buses aren't usually free. Um, so we were like, well, if we were taking this very crowded bus in a very small space taking the subway should be fine, um, which is ultimately what convinced us. And it was, it was, you know, it is like definitely um, it's a lot less crowded. Um, and if it does get crowded, you can, you know, I end up switching cars, but people are generally good about um, staying away from you, keeping their masks on. And if they're not, there's a lot of public shaming. <laughs> so. It's one of the few things we like public shaming for, right? Yes. <laughs> How about, um, you know, in the, particularly in the subways, one of the really awesome things about New York is street performers. Mm. Are they, are they still doing their thing? They're 
they're coming back. Um, there's definitely, I mean, for a while they had been gone, obviously, but um, they are slowly starting their way back. Um, it's different now. I mean, very few people carry cash, uh, I think, is, is one of also the big changes. So um, we've had uh, we've had a few street performers. We have had a few like people who play, you know, instruments, but um, that's that's gone way down. Hmm. Yeah, the cash thing, I, I don't think I would have thought about. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> huh. I guess we're not using subway tokens anymore either, though. So. No. <laughs> and they're trying to phase out the Metro cards. So. Oh, they are. Yeah. The, the, everything is like they have this Omni system now where you can just like put your card down. Like your credit card. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, cool. Um, I'm like, we got off track. I'm looking at my, my list of questions. <laughs> it's okay. Um, okay. So we, you've been using public transit. It sounds mm -hmm. like things are mostly working virtual. You had mentioned in the beginning, you were using Skype more often. Oh, just, you, just at the beginning. Um, sure. What do you, what are you guys up to now? Um, well, at, at Orange, we use uh, Google meet, um, which is fine. <laughs> which is, are you synchronous or asynchronous? Uh, synchronous. Okay. Um, so we, uh, well, actually, you know, there's, there's not that much great thing, good things about the pandemic, but one of the things that I really appreciate is that, um, you know, high school teaching is a lot different than college teaching. Um, you know, I like to say that they're in the same, they're playing the same game. They're in the same ballpark, but it's like the difference between someone who is playing like catcher and someone who's playing like right fielder. Right. Like they, they have they have similar ideas and they're they're all doing the same thing, but they have very different roles. Um, so teaching high school was kind of a, a, a learning curve. Like I've taught remedial college before, but remedial college and high school are still different things. And um, the what Orange has done uh, is that we went to kind of a, um, a two day a week schedule. So like classes instead of meeting every single day you know one class would meet Monday and Thursday and another class would meet Tuesday and Friday um, with Wednesday as an asynchronous kind of like catch-up meeting day and that schedule which is more like a college schedule was actually a really great introduction for me um, because I'm like oh okay I don't have to like lesson plan every single for every single day I could like catch up I could kind of like ease my way into it um, so that worked, that's been working really well for me. It's more of a college schedule anyway, which is nice. Um, there are some good things about, you know, uh, teaching online. Um, you can really share your screen, which is nice. So you could see that you can make sure that everyone is looking at the same thing. Um, and I think the best part of teaching online is that uh, you have opportunities for students who don't like to speak or you know, as we said, can't speak because their background is loud, they can use the chat, which mm -hmm. is really great. Um, so I've had, you know, students who haven't said a word in class, but are really, really participatory because they're in the chat. You know, they, uh, I ask a question and they answer like immediately. Um, and then I can read that out. So that's been, that's been really nice and having all the work online. Um, I don't remember, I don't know if you remember this about me, uh, Sam, but my handwriting is, truly atrocious <laughs> um so it's been really nice to be able to just comment you know virtually um or electronically on everything 
So we're going to lose the cute bubbly teacher handwriting after this <laughs> pandemic from everybody. I mean, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I never had that. So um, I'm okay with that. So those are all the good things about it. Um, I mean, the bad things, right? Uh, it's really hard, um, you know, for, for students to feel like they're doing something. Um, you know, I had students who heard that we were pushing back the date and just didn't take it well because um, it's been really hard being, you know, in at their home um, with their parents if, you know, their parents don't have jobs or that they're taking, they're doing childcare. Um, I had a student who couldn't sign on because she had to take care of like a whole host of other children um, <laughs> and like miss class because like, it's just too hard to, you know, focus when you have like six, six-year-olds running around behind you. Um, so, you know, that's been really hard. Uh, students also, it's, I mean, you know this, I know this, looking at a Zoom screen all day or a Google Meet screen all day isn't, is really tiring. And then the fact that they have to then do their homework online is also really tiring. Um, you know, so I think we've been making the best we can of it, but I think they're definitely ready to be back in, in school. Yeah. One of the other things I hear a lot from, from teachers is lecturing to the black screen, because I know a lot of students either are uncomfortable or they don't want to, or they don't have a web camera. So the camera just doesn't go on at all. Yeah. And um, from what I understand for um, teaching perspective, that's even more like there's more energy that has to go into lecturing to nobody. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, at least my student, my students have uh, icons. So at least that, that helps to, like okay. SpongeBob and, you know, uh, <laughs> Dragon Ball Z. Um, but yeah, that's, that's definitely really difficult. Um, I mean, it was a really interesting comparison when I was teaching in person and when I was teaching online is that, you know, my, a lot of my teaching style is, is very personable. It's, it's very jokey. It's very kind of like, um, making connections. And when I make a joke, there's just like silence, um, you know, that they may be laughing, who knows, but they, I don't know, their camera isn't on. So like, it's, it's a lot harder to kind of like build up, <laughs> build up enthusiasm to go into the classroom, um, you know, and it is, it is difficult. Um, but, you know, I also realized that like, it's also safer. So, you know, honestly, I'm, I'm fine with it, but it's definitely, uh, um, it's definitely hard, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's hard to like be here and be talking and just being like, so what do you guys think? And just be like, nothing, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're thinking, they're just like, not, uh, not responding. Um, right. so I think that's, that's been, that's been really difficult. How do you, if you have combat just the it sounds almost like an inability to make those personal connections so many educators get into education to really connect with their students and make a difference and yeah. um not I mean obviously I think everybody is doing an incredible amount of work and they are making a difference but to not get that live feedback yeah um yeah it's been I mean it, that's been that's been really hard you know like I I'm, I'm a little scared because when we go in, I don't, I'm not going to know who my students are <laughs> because, you know, their name's on a screen. I'm like, 
uh, you know, hey, John, what do you think? Uh, like, which one is John? Um, who's John? Um, but, uh, well, you know, I, I, I do, I do do some things like, um, when I first came in, I came in, um, about a month or so into the school year because of when I was hired. Um, so like the first thing I did was just like, ask, ask them like a, a certain, you know, you know, what's your favorite book? What was your favorite thing? What are you excited about? What are you nervous about? Um, do you have any questions for me? Uh, so like that was really helpful and I do check in with them a lot. So like a lot of my kind of um, do nows, instructional do nows is like, how are you doing? You know, what's working, what's not. So, you know, I don't get that like on the ground feedback but um, I am able to, to get kind of a sense, sense of the, the students. Um, and the students do feel, I mean, the one good thing, the students do feel comfortable enough um, with me that like I had a student who um, because because we're in the virtual space everything is taking a lot longer um, so we started Frankenstein we started reading Frankenstein in November and we just finished today oh wow um, yeah so it's it's a lot longer right um, so you know I had a student like last week be like are we ever going to do something else um, you know, uh, and I really appreciated that because I was like, yeah, you know what? We're at a good stopping place. We're not done with the book, um, but uh, we're at a good stopping place. So let's, let's just stop. Um, we stopped when um, the creature asked Frankenstein to make him, a, uh, make him a, a partner and that if he did, he'd go off into the wild. And so we're like, okay, we're done. We're done with that. We're going to watch Get Out. And then we're gonna talk about the Communist Manifesto, you know. So like we're we're moving on. So, oh, so you're just not finishing the book with them. We're just not finishing the book. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I like well, never. I mean... <laughs> I'm sorry. I was gonna say like I remember not finishing the book on my own and like <laughs> learning how to BS my way through a report um, to all my English teachers who are listening right now. Um, <laughs> big confessions, but uh, th that's interesting. So that's actually a big difference too yeah well I mean the thing the thing is is like um the students are really overwhelmed right um especially the seniors and especially kind of um a lot of my seniors work um a lot of my seniors have difficulties at home um you know so they unsurprisingly they're just not that much into reading right now um so we did a lot of reading in class which is fine you know it was it was a good close reading you know we would put it up on this the screen and I would have students like you know could you read this paragraph for me okay let's go through each line you know what is this saying what does this mean how do we connect it to this so it was a really good exercise in close reading but that means like we would do like a page a class um right? wow. because because it just takes time um and that's okay you know we did get to that did result in really fabulous conversations you know a lot of my students who are um Haitian immigrants and African-American and um Latinx uh like we're able to make connections between like the monster and like what's happening like with BLM and you know police brutality and things like that so like totally worth it but really also difficult um, so. Right. So another question I just have for, I know teachers in general are struggling with this. They're, especially since we've gone online, there are all sorts of 
not quite sure if they fall under ADA, but there are all sorts of almost sensitivity type things that are almost being written on the fly. Um, so for example, we, we talked about cameras not being on, but um, I know some professors and teachers are trying to require an actual picture of their students so that when they do go back to class, they know who they are. And some schools are saying you can't require them to do that um, because you know if they don't want to, if they're not comfortable with their image on the internet or, you know, or can you record a class or, um, I know some professors and teachers are doing a virtual background contest so that certain people who have to share their space with their family don't quote unquote get outed as having a smaller living space. Are there any of any of these things that have either directly affected you or that you've had to implement to adapt? I mean, well, the, the big thing is, is that there's a little bit of a difference between me and, and the school. The school requires cameras on, um, but the, uh, the BARD program doesn't um you know we don't you know this is a college class do what you want um I would like cameras on if only I could see my students but I'm not going to require it um so I actually haven't had any of that sensitivity issues um what I have noticed is uh boundary issues um so because um because everything is online um we have this app called remind um, which is basically a texting service so that they sign up and that we can text them, um, you know, well, reminders, right? You know, don't forget this. How about this? You weren't in class today. What's going on? Um, but it does lead to like, you know, students, you know, texting me at like 10 p.m. or like on the weekends or like over break, like a student, um, you know, uh, a student plagiarized uh, a tech, uh, plagiarized an assignment and like I, I had emailed her and I emailed the administration and she like texted me on remind is like, can we meet right now? And um, I said, yes, because I'm a, a <laughs> I'm a softie, but, uh, uh, and I have problems saying no to my students, but yeah. So like, or I had a, um, a student who was like, uh, you know, please answer me back right away, you know, at 10 PM at night. And I was like, well, you know, I'm not going to do that, but um, right. yeah. So, so do, do they have your, your phone number? Or it's, no, it's in the it's, in the, it's app. in the app. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and I just I have notifications on, um, so I could I could turn them off. Like there's definitely teachers who like turn off notifications at 3 p.m. Um, or 3:30 or whatever it is. Uh, but I choose not to, which then leads to me getting texts at like 1 a.m. Sure. Um, mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I can't imagine texting a teacher. Uh, yeah. All right. That definitely is hard. Yeah. But um, then on the other hand, it's it's also good, right? Is that because then I can like, you know, I have students who've fallen behind who who don't answer my emails, but will answer my reminds, you know, so like it, it definitely goes both ways. Um, and there are good things, just like everything else, there, there are good things about it. And then there's also the like, no, I'm not going to answer your text at 1 a.m. I'm sleeping. Right. So I guess that's a, that's kind of another question as someone who's working with, um, it sounds like primarily high school students mm -hmm. and uh, early college. Um, do you think that we're doing them a disservice by saying, oh, you're not going to check your email. That's fine. You can text instead. Mm. That type of thing. That's a, that's an interesting question. Um, maybe. Um, I think maybe. Yeah. I, I would, hasn't I mean honestly I think we're doing them a disservice by having them in school at all um like I think it's 
or or like pretending everything is normal, right? Like I have I have students who've lost multiple family members this year. Um, I had a student, you know, who whole family got COVID, including him during school. Um, you know, like what's why come in and talk about the Odyssey when that's happening? Um, you know, so I think that you know maybe it maybe it is doing them a disservice, but I think this whole thing is doing them a disservice, honestly. If you were the Department of Education and you could do anything, knowing what you know now, mm-hmm. would you have changed the approach? Um, absolutely. Yeah. I you want to you want to share? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just like there are people. You know, there are students who are doing great, who are doing really well, who are like using this as the only form of normalcy that they have. And I would definitely encourage them, you know, have, have school open for those people, but punishing students whose lives are falling apart because of a global pandemic and a global recession, um, you know, who can't come into school. You know, I have, I have a student, the way this works right now. And the reason why I'm being able to talk to you right now is because we basically have half days every day that they have, you know, classes from nine, you know, 8.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. Um, and then they have office hours where they can come in and like ask questions and things like that. Um, and a lot of students, because they're not required to be in school or, or working, which, you know, makes sense. And it, it feels really horrible to be, you know, punishing those students who, you know, are working a job, two jobs, supporting, excuse me, supporting their family um, by like failing them. You know, I think if, if we could go over, you know, if we could go and do it again, I would say, yeah, like have, have school open for the people who want to be there, but don't punish the people who can't. Okay. Let's move on to your vaccination. Okay. Okay. So which, uh, which vaccine did you get? Um, I got Moderna. Mo- Moderna. But- Moderna. Okay. There we go. Thank you. Um, and then before we continue on this one, uh, do you mind sharing your age, any comorbidities or allergies? Of course. Uh, I am 32. I'm going to be 33 in a few months. Very excited. Or next hey. month, actually. Yay. Um, <laughs> uh, and um, I have like cat and dander and dust allergies. Um, and uh, I have no co- comorbidities except, I mean, I, I, I mean, BMI is BS, right? So technically, uh, yeah. So I have, I have that. Uh, I am, I am over, I am overweight, but I qualified for the vaccine um, because I am an educator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a whole BMI rant locked and yes. loaded, which uh, people can call me about if they want to hear. Um, yeah. Okay, so let's talk about your, ex- well, I guess your, your signing up experience. Did DOE help? Did the Department of Education help you or were you on your own? No, I was totally on my own. Well, I mean, and this is the, this is the weird thing, right, is that I'm an educator in New Jersey and not in New York. Um, That's true. Okay. So I am an educator and I am going in and I was going in in person uh, when I was at NYU. Um, so, uh, I was the first, the first time I signed up, it was really easy. Um, you got, you know, the day, the day before, um, the day that, uh, educators got, um, that they expanded 1B in New York, which included educators and MTA workers and a bunch of other, um, uh, groups. 
uh, it was really easy to make an appointment. I got, I snagged an appointment at Lincoln Hospital in the Bronx um, for like three weeks from then or two weeks from then or something. And it was great. And I was like, perfect, easy peasy, done, perfect. Uh, and then it was canceled um, because it was uh, January 17th, I think. So that was during the kind of like initial, like we've expanded the groups, but the vaccines haven't, the number of vaccines hadn't been expanded. Um, so my appointment was canceled and uh, I was called by a very nice um, worker from Lincoln and they were very kind about saying is like, your appointment has been canceled. And I was like, well, will you be able to reschedule it? And they're like, no. Um, oh, they didn't even help you reschedule. Didn't. No, they wow. were like, here, go call the number. But of course the number is the, is, is just the regular number. <laughs> um, so it was not, uh, it was not nothing happened. Oh, and, and before I should, I should go back. Um, I had called re the, my working in New Jersey, but living in New York. Um, I called the, the hotline to ask to make sure that I was eligible. Um, because I didn't know whether it was employment based or residency based or whatever. And they said, as long as you live in New York and you are this in this group, you get it. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was, I was being above board. I just want to like make, make that very clear. I was definitely being above board. Um, so that happened. Uh, and then I like tried for like about another week and a half, pretty much in vain to get an appointment. I, you know, tried refreshing every day. And this was before the kind of, um, uh, all of those like aggregator sites. So like TurboVax or NYC COVID hotline or whatever, um, that are great and that are doing that right now. So I was just refreshing, refreshing, refreshing. Um, and then Somos, um, which is a, a healthcare system up in uh, New York and especially up here in Washington Heights, um, who has been doing free testing and a bunch of stuff, um, opened up more sites for educators um, and things like that. And I was, th and then I was able to very easily get an appointment. Um, and I made a, a an appointment on the site, and I went, and it was perfect. It was very, it was very easy. Excellent. Well, yes. easy after you got the easy after everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it was it was really well run. I showed up at the site. Uh, they checked me in. I thought I was gonna have to like do a whole song and dance. Like I'm I'm an educator. I swear I'm an educator. I'm a, I'm I was a city employee. I had my hostos ID. I had like all of these supporting documents, and the only thing they wanted to see was my state ID. I was like, oh okay. Here. Oh okay. <laughs> yeah. So um, what was it like getting vaccinated? Uh, it was really exciting. <laughs> um, it was it was really great. Uh, the The process was really easy. I got the got the got the jab, um, and then they had us wait for fifteen minutes. Um, I got a reaction almost immediately. Uh, my nose like started like running and pouring, and uh, which is very uncomfortable. And um, I had I had like I had bought a bunch of you know three um, M N ninety five masks because I was going to be traveling back and forth uh, on New Jersey transit. Um, so it was just, it was, it was just gross. So I like ran to the bathroom. Um, but yeah, no, that was, it was really fine. It was really great. Um, once I got out of observation, I like called my mom and I was just like, I did it. I got it. It was, it was, it was great. And then I got it in the Upper West Side on 85th Street. So uh, we, I went to Le'Veon and got, uh, or what is it? not Le'Veon I always mispronounce it that bakery with the the cookies that are like half baked that are like giant 
Sounds Levon. good. Levon. Levon. There we go. Uh, and just got a giant cookie. It was great. <laughs> oh, you deserve it. You got you got a shot. Yes. Um, so how did you feel? Uh, did you get any of those? People type, like to call them side effects. They're not really side effects. Did you get any after effect from your first vaccine? I did. Yeah. Um, so immediately about like an hour or so, I got pretty nauseous, um, but not didn't throw up just and it just kind of felt bad. Uh, I was really, really tired um, that day and my arm hurt a lot <laughs> um, and I had some aches and pains, um, but I took a Tylenol that night and it was fine. Um, and then uh, about a week later, I got COVID arm, um, which was- Oh, you did? I did. Ah, you didn't yeah. tell me about that. Okay. Well, oh, all right. Yeah. Let's uh, start. Can you explain COVID arm? Of course. So covert arm is a rash that shows up about a week after your injection. Um, and it was uh, very large. <laughs> um, it was, I had it like here. Um, I, <laughs> I had it here and it, it just kind of like groofed. Uh, so the injection site and then your the whole upper arm? My whole upper arm. Yeah. It was okay. like really, really red. Um, and the like the borders were all like messy and things like that. Um, and this was before, uh, COVID arm was like a thing, um, because I got it on, I got my first shot on like January 30th. So like people had been like starting to talk about it, but it wasn't, it wasn't that widespread. So I got this, um, and, uh, I, um, uh, a little bit of a, no, I'm just a hypochondriac. I'm a hypochondriac. So I got it and I'm like, what is happening to me? Oh God. Um, so it was, it was kind of scary. Does it, does it feel like anything or is it just a rash? Um, it was, it was a rash. I mean, it was, it was a little hot to the touch, but, um, it was mostly just a rash. Okay. And then after a week, a week to the day when it appeared, so it appeared a, exactly a week after, the uh the injection so it appeared the next saturday and then by the saturday after that it was gone and but like just hot to the touch not like painful or itchy no. or a little a little itchy in the like last few days but and not not painful at all okay did you do anything for your covid arm no just um, just stare at it and freak out <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> i mean i put i put like ice on it but it didn't really help <laughs> Wow. Okay. Yeah. And then for the, uh, the nausea symptom right after your vaccination, mm -hmm. um, uh, assuming it wasn't the cookie, did yeah. you take any, did you take anything for the nausea? No, it, it went away. Um, okay. like I think I was nauseous, like walking up 72nd street to go to, to go to the subway. And then by the time I got off, I was fine. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So just nauseous in the subway. Yeah, just nauseous. Um, and that night, it was like, I had a little bit pain in my like right side and it was really, it was really frustrating. Cause like my arm hurt so much. Um, I also bruise very easily. Um, so like it, it hurt a huge amount and then my side hurt and I'm like, I don't know how to sleep. What's going to happen? <laughs> oh yeah. So you're pointing to your left arm. So you got your jab in the left arm, but your right, your right, I guess, leg or hip was my, yeah. My like side. Died. Um, yeah. yeah. And then I, th but then I, as I said, then I took a Tylenol and it was fine. Okay. Um, yeah. All right. So it's quite a ride. Um, yeah. <laughs> so tell me about your second dose to that. Um, hopefully that one did not get canceled. Oh no, it didn't. No, no, no. That was fine. Um, yeah. They, I didn't even make an appointment. It was 
automatic I like checked back um because they they gave me a date that was like a slightly later date I think I got my first shot on the 30th and it was scheduled then for actually uh then the first um or when did I no I got it yeah I was scheduled for then it said on my card I was scheduled for the first and I was like oh okay that that feels a little longer um but I checked the site and they had scheduled me for last week so yeah so they they did everything I didn't do it that's awesome yeah how did so how did that one go um that was actually a lot different um because I got there and uh there was this giant line which hadn't been there the first time and I was like oh okay I guess I'll just get on this line because there's no signage um and uh someone turned to me and she's like you know this is for cancellations right I was like oh okay so I accidentally had gotten on the cancellation line, but then I went up to the door and the door was locked uh, and the security guard like opened it. She's like, do you have an appointment? And I said, I did. And I just went in. Um, and otherwise it was perfectly fine. Um, that was the like, oh, that's, that's weird. <laughs> I hadn't seen that before. So they were like bouncing people if, well, if were, the door was. Yeah, 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 they were. Yeah. Well, I mean, people had been lining up to like put their name on the list for cancellations. Um, so that like, if someone had canceled, they could get the opportunity to get the vaccine. Wow. Okay. Was it fairly organized from what you saw? Or? Oh yeah, it was, it was totally organized. Like it was, there was a line of people to the door um, inside and then the door was closed and then there was a line of people outside of the door. Okay. Um, so how did, how did your second vaccine go? Yeah, well, I mean, aside from that, that was everything was really smooth. They they took me in, they signed my card, I got it, um, and I waited for fifteen minutes and left. Um, I, then I also got more some some more cookies. Uh, <laughs> it turned out that um, my partner got the Pfizer vaccine the week after I did, so we ended up getting our second doses the same day, um, which was kind of funny. Um, and uh, so I got, I got more cookies and she, uh, she got some ice cream. So we had a very healthy lunch when we got <laughs> back. Um, but yeah, the, the vaccination went well. Um, I didn't really have any symptoms that day. Uh, my, arm, my arm hurt, but it wasn't that bad. Uh, and then the next day I had a lot, well, not symptoms, after effects. Um, I had a lot of those. <laughs> um, I ended up getting a 101 degree fever um, and, uh, you know, tired and we, you know, flu like symptoms, um, that just kind of like knocked me out, uh, for the entire day. Um, but like I started feeling bad at seven and then by 7am and then by 8pm I was fine. But like during that day it was unfun, shall we say. Uh, and then I had gotten, um, uh, I think it ended up just being a bruise, but it looked like a really horrible rash. Um, from on the inject at the injection site um so like my arm had hurt it didn't hurt more than the first time but it definitely hurt and I like looked down at it on I got it on Saturday and then I looked down at it on it at it on like I think Monday and it had turned into like this very red very like shield on my arm um and I was like I didn't want to you know freak out again um and I was like okay time to reality test this. And I asked my partner and I was like, this, this looks bad, right? Like, this isn't just me. She's like, uh, yeah, yeah, that looks, that looks real bad. Um, and I took a Benadryl and it went down a little, but it was still pretty red. And then it had grown the next day. And so I like drew a, you know, a line at the, the edge of it 
the night before just to, like make sure and then it had like gone down to my like elbow um so I was like really really concerned but now it looks like it's just a bruise um rather than a rash which is nice so would would you describe the second I guess dermal effects Sim- is it was it similar to the first time? Would you call it COVID arm, or do you think you actually had some sort of allergic reaction? I think I had a little bit of allergic reaction um, because, like, it was definitely hot. Like, it was hot to the touch, not not warm. Um, and then it was definitely uh, a lot. It was a lot. It was a it was much more noticeable the second time than the first time. Hmm. Okay. And then did you uh, did you take any over the counters or not over the counter medication? Yeah. <laughs> I just took a, a Benadryl, uh, two Benadryls um, the day I noticed it, and it definitely got a lot less red. Okay, so but so no Tylenol after no, the second vaccine. Oh yeah, I took I took um, oh yeah I took Tylenol all through the day. Okay. Um, uh, sorry, sorry, I thought you were talking about that. Um, on on Sunday I took Tylenol all through the day because I had a hundred and one degree fever. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, and lots of water and rest and things like that. Wow. Okay. Um, that's uh, yeah. The COVID arm thing is really new. There's not a ton of information out there. So thanks for sharing all of that. It's yeah. Sure. Um, and I was just so frustrated because my partner didn't get any effects. None. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I mean, now, now, do you, Rachel, do you mind if I share? Uh, that um, you know the day the, the next day she was like fine she's a little like tired and nauseous now but the day of was just like nothing <laughs> so I was just like sitting here she helped she helped someone move and I was just like lying <laughs> on the couch like dying <laughs> like no <laughs> at least it was only a day right yes at least it was only a day. yeah um I was really and I was really thankful that I got it on Saturday because if I had gotten it on like Sunday or the day of, I would definitely had to take off work. Yeah. You would have had to go asynchronous. I would have had to go <laughs> asynchronous indeed. Very good. So um, I've taken up a ton of your time, but I just, I want to give you an opportunity. Is there anything that we didn't touch upon that you want to, uh, that you want to share? Um, no, I think, I think that's, that's it. I mean, I, um, I also, not to like scare your listeners, I also react a lot to vaccines and things like that. So um, I was not like surprised that those things were happening to me. Um, other of my friends who had gotten the same vaccine, you know, maybe were tired and didn't get the same effects. Um, my parents who got Pfizer had like no effects. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so I think that's, that's the big thing. And I know that I'm also very, very lucky um, that I was able to get the vaccine. And um, so any side effects that happens, I'm totally cool with. When you say you know that you react to vaccines, did anything, does anything particular happen or you just kind of- Oh no, I just, I just react like, um, you know, every time I get a flu shot, I get, you know, flu-like symptoms. Um, you oh. Know. Yeah, or that like, uh, I remember in college um, when I got the like swine flu uh, shot, I got very bad symptoms. Um, but so the fact that I got the 100 degree, 101 degree fever was not, it made sense. Okay, that's good to know. All right, Rosa, well, thank you so much for your time today. Of course, thank you.